This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome, Rinkrets. This is Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast, episode 52, brought to you by the Overtime Media Podcast Network. Your sport, your team, and your time. We're also brought to you by our founding sponsors at puckhockey.com. It's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Head over, get yourself some rinkware, use that discount code, the rink, or get yourself some snoopware, or some overkill, or some testament. Or some, uh, they got all kinds of stuff over there. I think they got elves, elves and gear. They've got, uh, yeah, all kinds of stuff. So <clears throat> head over there, get yourself some stuff. Use the rink is your code T H E R I N K. And all will be, will be well in the world. Today is Thursday, April 25th, 2019. I'm Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as gatekeeper. My name is Jeff. It's FA, man. That's the joy of the Jeffrey, you see. It goes away, but then it comes back. And I'm joined by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello. Welcome to the branded Bolig edition of the Ringcast, also known as Jabroni Science Theater 3000. I don't like your jerk-off name. I don't like your jerk-off face. I don't like your jerk-off behavior. And I don't like you, jerk-off. Pretty much. <laughs> and also we have our Chicago Steel beat writer, Mr. Ray Napientek. Hello, Ray. How you doing, buddy? Good, fellas. I don't know how to follow up that, but I'm doing well. <laughs> oh, Peter Patter. Let's get at her. You're one sandwich <laughs> away from fat. <laughs> <laughs> I was just hitting random clips on that one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well... It's the throws of the summer. I mean, the playoffs are going on, but the Blackhawks clearly aren't aren't in this. Um, let's get some little little bit of housekeeping stuff out of the way so I don't forget about it because I always end up forgetting about this stuff and ending up having to do it two episodes later. But we did get into a review, so I want to read it. I, I promise I will read them on the air if they're at least halfway decent. They could be good or bad, but this one was a good one. So uh, basically, let's see here. Uh, it says... The best Blackhawks podcast, and I, I can't read the username because it's it is literally just a bunch of letters. But uh, it says the Blackhawks, the best Blackhawks podcast. They are the Muppets, Statler, and Waldorf of the Blackhawks fandom. I have been following Mr. Jekyll since his hockey buzz days, and was always a must read. Love the drops and their sense of humor. Must listen for any Hawks fan. So for the drops. No, they can improve the whole show if they just change the ending. How? Put it closer to the beginning. (laughs) That's an old joke. So are you. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who know who Statler and Waldorf are, good old Statler and Waldorf. So thank you for that. Uh, Thank you for the uh, review. Uh, Anyone who hasn't, please head over to iTunes, uh, rate and review us. We would appreciate that. Um, I mean, I guess we could talk just quickly a little bit about what, what happened in that first round. Um, I mean, aren't we really, really, really sad that the predators didn't make it out of the first round? (laughs) I mean, I know I'm really sad. 
I can't contain myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then you, you have, uh, you know, the lightning getting knocked out. You have a, a bunch of top seeds getting knocked out. What, what were your opinions, John, of uh, how that first round went? Uh, I, I was talking in our rink, uh, staff chat about this, uh, yesterday with Pappy and, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I'm excited. This has been really fun. I, you know, I, I have a, you know, personal interest in the blue jackets and so they're, uh, very unlikely and surprising sweep of, uh, of uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the you know the highly favored Tampa Bay Lightning, the unstoppable Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, was you know really cool. But but I really enjoyed. I mean I um, I had uh, uh, St. Louis going to the uh, Western Conference Finals, and uh, they've kept that dream alive. Um, even if I had uh, Tampa Bay beating the Blue Jackets, but it was still really cool to see it. And so I think it's it's just been a really fun uh, fun playoff so far. Um, you know, it, it, it's also providing proof of, you know, what I've been saying for years, that playoff hockey is, is a different brand of hockey. Um, you better have a big, tough team that, that can really, you know, grind it out as well as, uh, you know, uh, transition because um, you're seeing both of that. But you're really seeing, you know, the physical teams and the teams that are willing to pay the price physically prevail in these series. And uh, I hope Stan Bowman's watching um, yeah, because yeah. – um, you know, I, I think an argument could be made that, um, you know, he's trying to fashion his team more after Tampa Bay and less after the Boston's and the Columbus's. But, uh, you know, Tampa Bay's style of hockey was completely negated in round one, um, you know, in spite of all their talent. Um, so uh, it's it's great. You know, I'm looking I'm really looking forward to round two. Yeah, me too. Uh, we're, right now we're all watching the uh, Columbus Bruins game. Yes, so, we are. Yeah, I, I was actually... The, uh, I was on, uh, I, I forgot to completely forgot to mention this and plug this, that I was on the, uh, the biscuit podcast, uh, sweet William, uh, <laughs> asked me to come on and, uh, talk about the playoffs. And I'm like, I don't know why you want me to talk about the playoffs because I'm a, I'm, I cover the Blackhawks. <laughs> so I don't know yeah, what, what right. I, ha- I don't know what I have to provide, but I appreciate him inviting me. So I did what my homework. This is 2015. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, so I did my homework. I did my due diligence. And, uh, I, you know, I looked up a bunch of stats and, and, uh, put my picks together. And, uh, oddly enough, I actually stated a couple times how I thought that based on the statistics and the way the teams looked, that, um, I wouldn't be surprised if the stars and the blues both made it, you know, made it past the first round and uh, look, look what happened. Now I can't say the same about any of the other divisions that I didn't even look at the stats because I picked, uh, in my, on my bracket, I picked, uh, a Vegas uh, lightning final. So that you're screwed, dude. Yeah, that's clearly not going to come to fruition. So, uh, uh, yeah, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, Ray, what, what do you, what are your thoughts on the playoffs? I think the first round was great. I think, uh, you know, like JJ said, it kind of smacks you in the face after you watch the Hawks all year and you're in the stands you're watching TV, you're focused on one team. You know, you watch the NHL, but you really just watch the Hawks, and it was just you look at them and go, "Holy cow! They're they're really not close to what what type of hockey that is winning in the first round." And you know, I think they are a little bit more towards of you know the smaller skill side that just doesn't doesn't uh, play out in the playoffs. So, but it's been fun to watch. I think I mean, there's nothing like playoff hockey. I, I tweeted that out the other day. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who you're cheering for, what teams you you hate. I mean, uh, the the excitement in that first round was awesome, but 
Hawks are <laughs> that was it was a punch in the face that they say wow the Hawks aren't even close to, to any of these teams in talent for playoffs. Yeah, you know, and the thing about it too is you know, when you look at it, um, the Blues and the and the Stars are playing really good defense, and they they have goalies that are playing out of their minds. And that the one thing the Blackhawks were able to do is score goals. But if they're going to play, you know, if they were going to play a team like the Blues or the Stars, you know, if if that was to happen, uh, you know, they they'd probably get stomped because if they're not able to, you know, if if those first, you know, the top six aren't able to score, the Blackhawks can't defend. And, uh, you know, the goalies can only stand on their head for so long when they're seeing 35, 40 shots a game. And, uh, yeah, it wouldn't have been pretty at all. But, you know, we'll talk about the the Hawks in the future in a minute. So. You know, something that a lot of, I think, while we were sort of, you know, and I think a lot of people were kind of gnashing their teeth and trying to, you know, yeah, and, that all, and all that crap about the Hawks making the playoffs and anything can happen and all that, I think something that kind of got – overlooked at Chicago and I think maybe a lot of other places too is that for the last I don't know really since since uh the new year arguably the best team in the league was the St. Louis Blues I mean the Blues were on fire they went from like 13th in the conference to I mean uh where, where did they finish and they ended up finished second or third in um the division yeah it was something like that Jordan Bennington yeah. helped helped out I mean, a lot with that playing out they of his were mind smoking hot and, you know, they carried it right over into, you know, the, the playoffs and they they eliminated a really good team. Um, and, uh, you know, they're going to be it's going to be interesting to see how, what they do the rest of the way. Yeah. I mean, there were some surprises like the Islanders sweeping the yeah. pens. I mean, the pens aren't what they were two years ago, but uh, I mean, the pens are still a pretty decent team with some good players. And, uh, you know, they don't have problems like the Blackhawks do. And they were, you know, the Islanders swept them. And, and and Columbus, man, that that was just that's something we're not going to see. I, I I'm glad that some people brought up the the Blackhawks North Stars in the '90s. Yeah, uh, because I remember that vividly. Like I was crushed by that. I you know me and my me and my friends would sneak out on our bikes and go to the local bowling alley to watch it on uh, Hawk Vision or whatever it was. And uh, I, I remember watching the the. The stars, they they just couldn't do anything. Or the Blackhawks couldn't do anything right, and the stars did everything right, and it was uh, yeah terrible. And then the Blackhawks, of course, with the Preds, you know, a couple of years ago, but we know what happened there. Anyway, all right, well that's the the, the playoffs they're going on right now. I'm sure we'll talk more about it later because we're not going to have a whole lot uh, else to talk about in the coming weeks. But uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk what what what's happened in the Blackhawks world. We'll answer a couple questions, and then we'll let you people get on with your uh, weeks. So here we go. Finding the right pros for home projects can be tough and spark a lot of questions like, how do I find a pro who can help? Will they do a good job? Will I get a fair price? That's where HomeAdvisor can help. From leaky faucets to major remodels, HomeAdvisor connects you to the right pro for the job in seconds and even helps you get a fair price. Read reviews, check project cost guides, and book appointments. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free HomeAdvisor app to start your next project. All right, and we're back. So, uh, latest thing we saw, like today, was uh, Patrick Kane was officially named as a nominee for the Ted Lindsay Award with Connor McDavid and uh, Kucherov. Kucherov's going to win. Uh, you know, you could say what if, you could say all that. But uh, Kucherov's going to win. He had an MVP season. His team was, you know, first in the league. 
neither one of the other nominees even made the playoffs. So that's another thing to take into account. And uh, so, yeah, I just, uh, you know, Kane, Kane, I think Kane could get a, get a second place, but uh, I think Kucherov's going to win. What do you think, Ray? Yeah, I think you're right. Kucherov's probably, probably a, 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 the front runner. Um, but Kane was unbelievable. I mean, he single-handedly kept the team, you know, floating. I, I know, you know, they weren't a uh, playoff caliber team, but he, he was fantastic this year. It was a shame they had a waste this season, but I could see him. I could see him in that second spot. And, you know, obviously McDavid is, you can't make any arguments with him if he were to fall second instead of Kane. But I think you're right when he falls in that second spot. Yeah. John? Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Kucherov, I think Kucherov was the benefit of Tampa Bay having a crazy good um, regular season. You know, typically the award is given for regular season performance. And I, it's it's supposed to be given for regular season performance. So I'm not sure that, you know, Tampa's El Foldo in the first round of the playoffs and Kucherov melting down a couple of times and not having a good series will really play into it at all. Um, I, I just feel like, you know, it's sad, but I really feel like with McDavid and Kane, there's a level of excellence that's just expected every year. And, you know, they, they both achieved it. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, and there's a little bit too with awards of, you know, it's his turn. And I feel like there's, you know, there's, Probably a, you know, a, a, a belief out there that it's Kucherov's turn. And I have a feeling he's going to win it for, for for those reasons. Yeah, he just set himself, you know, far and away above the other guys. Not that they didn't have good seasons and it's no knock on them. Just Kuch, it's just, you know, how good a season Kucherov had. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I, I, yeah, and I want to make sure I'm clear on that, that, you know, he, he had an outstanding season statistically as well. And, and, uh, so there you go. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> in other news, um, I think it was yesterday was announced Don Granado is not going to return with the Blackhawks. They mutually parted ways. He was not fired. There's been, I've seen several different versions of people saying, you know, he was fired. The Hawks let him go. He quit or whatever. It was a mutual parting of the ways. Granado wanted to, you know, do his thing. And, and uh, it just looks like, you know, they want to let uh, Colleton have his own staff that he wanted and maybe you know granado wasn't you know in the plans uh maybe granado i also heard some speculation maybe granado gets look gets a look as a uh head coach somewhere maybe uh, yeah. so that may happen uh yeah he's certainly worthy of it so you know uh that, that could be what it is but uh people need to just relax about this getting all wound up about don granado you have any uh you guys have any thoughts on that no, I don't. And I have, I've not heard anything, um, you know, as far as backstory on that. Um, you know, I, I think Don Granado, Don Granado is very, very respected uh, within the coaching profession. And um, I think, you know, he's he is seen as a, as a guy with a future. And, um, you know, it could could well be that he just felt like, you know, that they, they went with a guy who was. Oh, I don't know, 10 years younger than he is, 15 years younger than he is. And, and, you know, he felt like it was time to move on or, you know, it could be anything. It could be personal reasons. So I don't want to, I don't want to speculate either. Um, but, uh, you know, and it could also be that, that what you said, Gate, that they want to give uh, uh, Colton the opportunity to, uh, you know, to build his own staff. So, um, so be it. Yeah. And, uh you know, it, it it could just be the Blackhawks doing Don Granato solid and being like, oh, you know, it, it, so other teams don't have to ask for permission to talk to him for, you know, the head coaching jobs. They just said, you know, go, go do your thing. They'll get a job. 
you know? He'll get yeah. a job. Oh, yeah, There's yeah. about that. Yeah, and, you know, maybe just, you know, he was going to go somewhere else anyway, and they just, you know, did him a solid. Because I don't think, I mean, not the Granado family being, you know, being so, you know, uh, important to the Chicagoland area or at least the Midwest and everything. I, I doubt the Blackhawks were going to, you know, really stick it in his in his back, you know? Uh, I just don't think they were going to do that to the Granado family, so. No. Yeah. Do you have anything else, Ray, on that? Not really. I think you're probably right with the, hey, uh, we're, we're going to do you a favor and I've got some other plans in place and, and let's just let's just go our separate ways and, and JC can bring in his own guy. But, uh, it, yeah, he's going to be jobless until he decides he wants another job. Yeah. Kind of like Joe Quenville. Right. Right. Not quite as as, uh, desired as Joe Quentinville, but yeah, kind of the same thing. He can uh, basically choose his job when it it comes around, probably. He's probably going to have several offers, or at least a couple offers. Um, Another thing I didn't even get to put on the outline, I guess today um, Derek King was named the actual real head coach of the uh, Ice Hogs. The interim uh, tag was taken off, and he was named the... Uh, the Ice Hogs head coach for next season. That was the guy who I thought he may move up. Uh, Colleton may move up to uh, take that spot where Granada was at, but apparently that's not going to happen. So, uh, you know, he'll probably go out there and we're, we're probably going to see a new name, uh, you know, in the Blackhawks organization. I don't, I don't know that they're going to take anyone else from the Ice Hogs staff, but, uh, you know, congratulations to Derek King. So, um. I'm just, I'm just kind of thinking, laughing, thinking about Barry Smith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's going to be back on the bench. Oh God, no. I hope not. I I, hope not. Yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think he even. I, I, I really, honestly, don't think he wanted to be there at all because he didn't look like it. He didn't sound like it. Like he, he didn't want to travel. He wanted to do his own thing. And, you know, it's funny when, uh, when he, when Scotty Bowman came over and brought Barry Smith with him. I mean, you know, Barry Smith was pretty old then. <laughs> He looks like he looks like he's about 112. I'm the crypt keeper now. It's like Dustin Hoffman, a little big man. Nailed <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I mean it'll be interesting to see, you know, how he builds his staff out, and um, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's gonna be hard for him to find coaches who are younger than he is. I guess Brookbank yeah. will be around. I mean, Brookbank clearly is his guy. Yeah, he likes Brookbank. Yeah. So. Uh, Maybe we'll bring in Wade Brookbank. They'll have like dueling Brookbanks, <laughs> two Brookbanks. Well, isn't, isn't Wade still in the system somewhere? I think uh, he like, might be. Yeah, I think he's like a scout or something. Yeah, yeah. So you never know. Yeah, uh, they they also had that Swedish guy that they brought over when uh, Carlton was moved up. Uh, I forgot his name off the top of my head, but um, I I think they resigned him or something like that. I saw some news about him, but they had him in the system too. I don't know if you know they're interested in having him do something or what. So anyway, um, also uh, a little earlier in the week, the Blackhawks were, there was a, a report out there by a KHL beat writer that the Blackhawks were reportedly interested in a Russian uh, unrestricted free agent forward, Ilya Mikheyevich. I think Mikheyev, maybe Mikheyev. I think it's Mikheyev. Um, he's a big winger, you know, big rangy winger. I don't, I don't know a whole lot about him. I know, you know, he put up pretty good stats in the KHL, but He's, you know, Blackhawks are probably among at least a dozen teams that are, you know, vying for his services. So, you know, or, or more, 
You know, it could be two thirds of the league trying to get this guy. If he's a, you know, unrestricted free agent, he's in his twenties, he's, you know, going to be affordable. Like there could be a lot of teams that could use a player like that. So, you know, uh, I, I don't, I haven't really seen a lot of film or anything on him, so I can't really comment on it, but I, the, the, the little I did see from him, he seemed like kind of, kind of a big rangy winger, not too fast, not too, you know, uh, you know, he, he's kind of a playmaker a little bit, but, um, you know, nothing really stood out. Um, he just, you know, could be a good, good winger, you know, kind of a top nine type winger, but I guess we'll see. There's, you know, Blackhawks might have some other options as well. Um, Ray, did you, Ray or John, did you guys have any, uh, you guys know about this at all? Or I, I had read about it. I've not seen any tape on him. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm having a hard time getting excited about, you know, guys that they, they're bringing over from Europe who play forward because I just feel like, you know, wow, I'd get really excited if they were bringing over a guy from Europe who plays defense. Yeah. Um, you know, it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like an acute area of need. I mean, sure. You know, it'd be nice to kind of uh, tweak the lines a little bit and tweak the offense a little bit, but it just, it feels like, um, just really anxious to see what they're going to do about the defense in the off season. Yeah. And really they, what they need is they need, uh, you know, bottom six forwards, solid bottom six forwards. that can like kill penalties. If they're going to get forwards, you don't need a guy who's like putting up big, you know, not that you don't need him. I shouldn't, that's the wrong choice of words. You could always use more scoring, right? We've seen right. that before. You could always use more scoring, but what they really need is players to fill the bottom six wingers, centers, whatever. Um, you know, they may have a hand, they may have a handful of them now, but they could use a couple more like, like, you know, we had brought up before, you know, like Michael Furlan, but he's more of a top six guy, but Ryan Dezingle or, you know, no flashy names or a Brian Boyle or, you know, yeah. something like that. That's going to bring well, you some defense, some, so, some solid defense. Well, in the bottom. I mean, just watching the game tonight, the Columbus and um, Boston game, both teams have really good fourth lines that are built like fourth lines. It's not, you know, guys who pr- would prefer to be playing in the top six who are just like, you know, relegated to the fourth line because of depth. I mean, these are guys whose games are suited to um, the fourth line. You've got, you know, on the Columbus side, you got guys like Jenner. Um, I'm trying to remember who else they have playing on that line. Um, you know, on, on Boston, you got Sean Corrali. You know, I mean, these these are guys who are just really tough to play against. They're effective. They can maintain offensive zone pr- uh, possession. And quite honestly, I mean, you know, the last time the Blackhawks were, you know, really a serious playoff team that went anywhere in the playoffs was 2015. And they had that line. It was Kruger and Shaw and uh, Desjardins. And, uh, you know, so, uh, the, you know, and right now I, they don't they just don't have. The, I mean, I get, you know, you could argue John Hayden is that kind of player. Um, but he seems to have fallen out of favor a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. You know, but the bottom line is they, they, they need, they need a a couple of those kinds of guys, Yeah, you know, come in and, and, and I know the fans don't get excited about them because they don't score no goals, but you know, what they do is they maintain offensive zone, uh, possession, which, you know, a does lead to goals either on your shift or on the next shift. If, if the faceoff is in that zone, and and it keeps the other team out of your zone. I mean, that's that 2015 team and that that Kruger um, Shaw Desjardins line. They were brutal because the the other team was always bottled up in their end for long periods of time. 
And, uh, you know, that's, that's what the Hawks need that they, they really need that on their lower lines. And, um, you know, um, it's just, it's, it's going and getting the right kinds of players, you know, those Tom Wilson, Josh Anderson types, types of players, you know, um, Sean Corrali, um, you know, Boone Jenner, those types of guys. And, um, uh, so, uh, you know, I'm hoping they're going to do something along those lines and, you know, you know, hopefully that whoever those guys are that they get can also kill penalties. And uh, Jenner just took a penalty. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, um, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping that uh, they can also kill penalties and that's going to really help the team. I mean, and that's a that's a great example of how you help the defense through the forward position. Yeah. You know, by just having guys who can keep the other team bottled in their end with with a stiff four check and, you know, cycling the puck down low. Uh, phrasing. <laughs> yeah actually that's a great point i was just going to bring that up so i'm glad you brought that up this is a point i've been trying to convey through twitter private dms whatever that like my thoughts on who they should acquire on defense or whatever and how i think they may be able to do it cheaper than going out and you know spending a, a double what they should and all this other stuff is if you shore up the forwards and you have you know solid four lines of players they can play defense your defense is automatically going to get a little bit better now i'm not that's not to say that you you roll the same seven defensemen out there that you rolled out last year and everything's no. going to magically be fixed that's not the case but maybe you could slide you know slide a, a middle pair guy in there you know a good solid middle pair guy that you can put out there as a shutdown guy you know, not a big name, and I brought it up in the private chat. I kind of brought it up in the podcast, like a Jordy Ben or something. I know he's not an exciting name. I know he's not going to light up the scoreboard. I know, you know, he's not. You're not going to put him on a billboard, but he's responsible. He can move. He's tough. Like he could be one of those guys. Now, if you could do that, so. But anyway, back to the original point. It's just if you start, you know, shoring up the forwards because the forwards weren't playing good defense either. You had a couple of guys, you know, that are responsible, like Taves and, you know, uh, Strom was okay. Saad plays some pretty, pretty decent defense and camp kind of a little bit, but it was kind of hit or miss, you know, Kane's not playing a ton of defense and, you know, sometimes he does, but that's only when he wants to. And, you know, it's, you got to have guys that can play a two, you know, a two way game, even if, even if it looks like they're just going through the motions, at least they, they, they have to make a decent effort at it and, uh. So, yeah, that's, I, I agree with you completely on that one. Um, that's, uh, and another guy that, um, you know, was brought up weeks ago was that uh, Dominic Kubalik. Now, yeah. I, I could say this watching because I'm, you know, right now I'm cutting up video for prospects and stuff. So I'm watching a lot of video. And I could tell you from what I've seen of Kubalik, he's a good player. He's a, he's a, uh, he's a setup guy. He, uh, he, he's got really good vision. He's, uh, kind of like the same skill set and i'm not saying you know elite level like this but kind of like the more all-around skill set like a patrick kane can make a, a laser pass to a guy across the slot right on his stick you know for a back for an easy backdoor goal through two sets of legs and i've seen this guy do that and he can snipe yeah he scores a lot of goals he's one of the leading scorers over in that league but that was uh, you know that's over in the swiss league that yeah, is not right. in the NHL. So he's got a skill set, but, you know, and I, I saw that he scored, you know, at least one of the things that I, you'll see this when the video comes out, he had a shorthanded goal. So, I mean, clearly at some point he, he kills penalties. 
uh, at least over so there. You've, you have just started an entire summer of <laughs> Hawk fans getting way out over their skis about Dominic Kubelik. Um, no, I want to <laughs> listen. He may end up being a, a really good player. I mean, I just, again, I, I, I've just year after year, I just become more, I actually become more and more uh, likely to get excited about some of these guys because, you know, you just, there's Victor Edsel, you know, oh, I agree. looks yeah. like a God on his tape from Sweden. And, you know, it's just, it's just really, and it's really hard to tell. I mean, I mean, conversely, there's this kid Picolza playing over in Russia right now who, you know, may, may get drafted by the Hawks at, at third overall. And, you know, I heard the, the interwebs experts criticizing his stats in his league in Russia, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's, you know, you, you, you just can't go by that stuff. You, what you've got to, what you got to really look at is, is the player and what they can do. And then, and then try, you know, you can't, you have just have to see how they perform when they get over here. There's a, you know, there's a degree of that too. And, um, so Kubelik may, may end up being a really good player. Um, but I'm going to hesitate to get really too terribly excited until, you know, he's here and he's doing it, you know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, Michael Kempney was another case. I mean, he was heavily hyped coming over and he really struggled his first year. I mean, probably the majority of fans wanted him gone, you know? Yeah. And that's happened. Yeah. That's happened a lot of times um, yeah. with players. You don't know how it's going to be in it. I'm not, I'm not meaning to whip everybody into a frenzy about that guy. Don't do it. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I just want to say he has a nice all around skill set, and it looks like he might be able to play a little bit of defense. Maybe he could be a decent third line wing, you know, let's, let's keep our expect, you know, not, not even expectations, but at least for right now, maybe where he could fit in is a third line wing or maybe second line. We just don't know. Yeah. Right. Just, you know, or maybe he plays in Rockford. You just yeah, don't know. Right. Yeah, so and that's you know I'm just kind of teasing that later on I, I've already released the uh, the Boquist video and uh, I'm working on a couple other videos so we're gonna be uh, hopefully you know releasing uh, some more of that video content throughout the spring now that we have a lot of time on our hands and uh, so head over to our our, our uh, YouTube page the link is on the front of the website you can get over there you can see all the videos from last year where we had like uh, Jacob Nielsen we had uh, Dominic Cahoon and uh kevin lankin in and all those guys that came in last year we uh eric and i threw together videos for those so if you want to go over there have a little bit of eye candy some good music in the background check it out so uh yeah so speaking of rockford and speaking of european leagues this is a nice segue into christopher stieg rockford icehog signed christopher stieg to an h ahl deal immediately everyone starts with the Oh, he's back, you know, just like with the sharp thing. Bring the guy back. Bring the guy back. And and I and I and and I'm gonna bring this part of it up because uh Rocky Babula on Twitter brought this up and uh I I don't wanna, you know, brush this question off. Uh he says, I understand that Versteeg is a mentor role for the for Rockford, which is what he was signed for, yet he wasn't afraid to mention goals of making it back to the pros. Name the six players you think are better than him at the bottom I mean I could I could name probably twelve. Um, the bottom line is Chris Versteeg has not been an important, he hasn't been an important person on an, on any team really in no. over two years. He played yeah. a total and, and Ray and I were talking about this in, in the pre-chat. He played a total of 46 games in the last two years over some in Calgary, uh, some in the KHL and some in the Swedish elite league. Um, yeah. he's just, he's been hurt. He started, you know, the last time he was any good was the 16, 17 season uh, with Calgary. He played 69 nice games. 
uh, phrasing. And uh, that was the last time he was really effective. This is not the Christopher Stieg that left the Blackhawks five, six, seven years ago or whatever it was the last time. Um, he's just not that player. They brought him in. He's a good personality. He knows a lot of the current, you know, veteran Blackhawks, Sharp, and all those guys. They have a good rapport. He could come in there. He could be the locker room guy in, in the AHL. I, I cannot see them extending a, a pro contract to him. And he would really have to be lighting the world on fire, and they would really have to be in some trouble for that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ray, you got anything on that? He's an atmosphere guy. Bring him in, do all the right things, teach the kids how to be pros. I mean, he, he's got a great resume. I mean, he's, he's going to be a good fit for that. But to, to say he's coming in and, and playing would, would just be silly uh, at the pro, at the, uh, you know, for the Blackhawks. So just an atmosphere guy, um, you know, teach the kids and, and make sure that they understand what it's like and have some fun on the road. And he could rap for them. They could get, you know, drunk in the back of uh, limos. and Could happen. Yeah. Those things happen. I, you know, we've we've all been there. So <laughs> uh, definitely nice to see. I mean, I, I you, you take a look at it and go, okay, hey, you know, he's bounced around. And I, I know, you know, we talked about him having shingles. I think he said, you know, he's had a, a rough time over in Europe. You know, bring him back, and and you know, maybe it leads to something with the organization. You know, you have no idea uh, what the future holds for him. But you know, when I saw that, it was just a an atmosphere type guy that yeah. that's going to do the right things for the kids. Oh, Columbus ties the game. Oh, I'm behind man. <laughs> Sorry. Yep. Point shot, uh, from Nash. Was it Nash? No, I don't know. Yeah. Boy, long- Nash was, was a huge, huge star in the first series. Long, yeah. Long shot from the point. I don't know how it got through. It must've been a screen or something. Anyway, back to the Blackhawks. Thanks uh, Ray on that. Always oh, deflected. If he's behind, you're not going to want to. You're not going to want to let him know. (laughs) (laughs) It was deflected in the slot by Nash. Yeah. Nice. Actually, it might have went off two sticks. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, So yeah, Chris receives back, but don't don't expect too much from him. Just come on. Let's 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 move forward. Let's not move backwards. This is what John, you and I preach us all the time. Stop with the let's bring back. Blah blah blah. Like, trying to remember Fork's uh trying to remember Fork's epic tweet on you know something it was something like, you know, if if you if you use the term bring back blank, go hit yourself with a hammer, something like that. I think that was a response to a tweet you put out there. You put like one of those things, finish the sentence, and that was his, yeah. how he finished it. Yeah. But but you always have My aunt can grow balls and become my uncle too. <laughs> Good old Uncle Fork. Love that man. Uh, good stuff. Uh, good man. Yeah, Ryan Dezingle parked in front, putting a little screen in front. Actually, the Boston players screened him really bad. Yeah, Blue Jackets are back in it. Nice. Oh, wait a minute. That's why I said don't ruin it. Yeah. Oh, did Boston score? I, I'm I not going to tell you. You're going you're gonna to have to wait for that one. <laughs> well, it's seven. Can you believe that? It's eight one. Yeah, You're up. that far behind. <laughs> oh, Blue Jackets! Damn. <laughs> there you go. Panarin, the second one. Yeah. Oh. He used a moving a moving pick like a moving screen. Yeah. Like you know, who's really good at that is to break it. Yeah. Really good at that. Yeah, he is. I, he cuts across the middle and lets that screen. That. Yeah, and then just as he just as he clears, and that's a hard shot to pick up sometimes. 
Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, no, that, no, that went off of the back of Dubois. That went off of du- Dubois' leg. Oh, did it? That's what happened. Watch it. Yeah, I'm, I'm on a commercial yeah. on my end. I don't... Redirect off his leg. It probably hurt, too. <laughs> yeah, it hurts a little less when it goes in the net. Yeah, you're right. So anyway, that's Columbus Blue Jackets talk for tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it's It might not be the last of it at this point in time. So it's a fun game. They're they're really going back and forth now. Yeah, I know. And, and here we are talking to each other. A couple of old guys talking to each other. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, uh, Versteeg's back, and, and we don't need to belabor that point too much. Uh, just, you know what? That's fine. Uh, he's, you know, he's a fun guy, and he, he, hopefully he'll keep it light in Rockford. And, uh, you know, they, they could probably use that. Uh, you know, Versteeg, when he played, I mean, my, my, Lasting impression of him is as a really competitive guy, you know. Who's he was pretty? He was a pretty fearless player, <clears throat> and uh, you know he'll he'll probably bring some of that attitude into the, into the dressing room there, which is good, you know, because as an organization, I think the Hawks need more of that. Well, and I like how they've like they brought back Sharp and they brought back Burrish. These guys that have like this chemistry, I think it's fun. Like instead of well, just you know. I love those guys. What the thing about Sharp too is he's really good on the uh, on the broadcasts. I mean, he's yeah. a natural, he's and fantastic. and he's not afraid to say what he thinks. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got enough money in the bank. He probably doesn't care if he if they don't want him back on the Hawks. He's also doing um MSR M- NBCSN now too, and I have a feeling he's going to get he's going to be on the national broadcasts like permanently pretty soon. He's really good. Mm-hmm. And, and bringing up Burrish and, you know, Sharp and Versteeg, those are three guys that got every ounce of talent out of themselves. You know, the game didn't come easy. They had to work hard at it at the NHL level. None of them were, you know, we all know Sharp's story and, and Burrish and Versteeg, you know, they were coming up as, as top prospects. So, I mean, they, they they knew their roles and they got every ounce of their talent out of out of themselves, so they were all they were all pretty fearless guys too. I mean, Sharp was another guy; he didn't take any crap off anybody. No, yep. he didn't. no, Versteeg didn't either, and, right. and Burrish, Burrish either. Like Burrish probably right. just uh, willed his career the, the last couple of years there, just on you know, yeah, not taking shit from anybody. So yeah, he was by far the least talented of yeah. the oh, three. Yeah. yeah, and Sharp was probably the most talented, but but, uh, but I love um, no go ahead. Go ahead. Now, I was say I love watching those guys like chirp each other and joke around and drinking drinks on TV. Like that's fun. That's entertaining. Like I, I like that stuff in the in the, you know just I, I I get I get tired of just all this you know monotone blah 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 linear Steve path Cameron? yeah blah 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 linear path linear linear path and it's like oh okay you know it doesn't all have to be you know breakdown game breakdown or play breakdown like you could have a little we could have a little bit of fun here and break it up a little bit you know make it enter you know make it entertaining both ways with a little bit of humor and stuff uh you know joel mayers knows a lot but like there's no there's no humor there's nothing more than just the analysis of the play or the game and there's nothing else with it that's it yeah. gets boring after a while it gets old so yeah <clears throat> anyway so speaking of uh, media and stuff, I, I do want to bring this up. Um, I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago uh, the the Hawk Talk podcast. Uh, Pat Boyle was on there, and I was kind of railing him pretty hard on Twitter 
about uh, how he how he hates uh, Brandon Saad and he hates uh, 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 Adam Boquist and uh, how his proposal, his trade proposal that he stop brought up was uh, was silly, and I still think it was silly. But I do too. I understand. I I, too. I, I now understand where where it kind of came from. But the point the point in this being that you know he didn't present it this way when he recorded like. He should have said, you know, this is something that, you know, was just kind of thrown in my lap just prior to us recording. And I wanted to bring it up and like, it just kind of got really discombobulated and jumbled up. And then that's why I kind of went on it. Cause I, I was like, where'd this come from? And even Slavko and uh, Charlie, they were befuddled. They were almost speechless at, at what was going on. And, and for those who don't listen, uh, I've pulled some clips for you so we can actually talk about it as well. So here's the first clip. And if the New York Rangers hypothetically said, all right, we want Brandon Saad, we, and we want Boquist, and, you know, pick, pick another prospect to move up one spot. Okay, that's the first part. This here's the second part. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, we'll wrap it up at the, at the end. So here's the second part. You're you're losing your second best left winger, your top defense prospect, well, and possibly more. For he's not your second best left. Brandon winger. Brandon Sod. Yeah. After Debrinket, who who would it be? I mean, Debrinket for sure. And there's not I mean, a lot. Drake Ajula. I, I I mean, I, <laughs> I guess I guess I guess yeah. I guess he is your best. So there's the second part. That was why I said he hates uh, Brandon Sod. And um, here's the third part, third and final part. Top six winger, top defense prospect, plus something else to move you, up one spot. Boquist is still an unknown. Sure, but I mean, I mean it's that, a prospect, so, yeah. you know, that, you know, Hughes and Kako are somewhat of an unknown as well. Um, there's more question marks about Boquist than there are about those two. So uh, Right now, I mean, there, there's, there were dis- discussion earlier in the year that London wanted him to play forward. And... You know, he can put up all the numbers he wants in the OHL. The talk is he still is limited defensively, and, and that's a huge liability sure. for, for the Blackhawks. So that, that's why I said he hates Adam Boquist. Have you ever seen Eric Gustafson play? <laughs> that's why I said he hates Adam Boquist, because it's like, uh, okay. Well, I think, you know what happened? I, I think, so let's assume that he's being forthright and some production assistant slipped him this trade proposal, which... Next time, Pat, you might want to read it to yourself before you read it on the air. Um, I just feel like he kind of got a little, a little. He got out on a limb and sort of cut himself off the off the tree. And <clears throat> hey, <clears throat> everybody has bad days. I've had them, and <clears throat> you know, um, he, he clearly he was having a rough time there. And <laughs> as as was as has been said, uh, I'm sure you guys have said. Uh, stupid things on your podcast, and uh, I certainly have said many stupid yeah. things. So yeah, yes, I'll probably definitely. say something before the end of this show. I've That's probably stupid. already said something stupid on this podcast, but yeah. Anyway, Ray, you got anything on that? Uh, no, I'm I'm speechless. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just I'll, I'll go with speechless. Instead, yeah, instead of uh, jumping on. But I mean, even the proposal <laughs> itself, like you know. It, and, and Slavko was right. So, you know, I don't always agree with what Slavko says, but he was, he was exactly right on this. And you, and I didn't, I cut like a lot of the, uh, you know, just chatter, chatter in between, but Charlie was just as befuddled about this. He was like, 
that like is a crazy trade. You're giving up again, right. you know, your top left winger or, 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 you know, one, a one B you're giving up your top defensive prospect, which is supposed to be that guy. The next guy that's going to be, you know, the guy that's I'm going to play devil's advocate here now. Cause and another player be, to move maybe a slot. nugget of, of sanity in just in, in, if you follow this scenario through, let's say the Hawks see Jack Hughes as the next Patrick Kane. Okay. Capo Cackle going to be a really good player. I'm sure I'm certain of that, but let's say they, they, they zero in on Jack Hughes as, you know, and the, he is a, a cane like player. He has that magical quality. Um, and, and they go, they go to, and who has the first pick again? Refreshing. New Jersey, New Jersey, New Jersey, New Jersey, they go to New Jersey and they say, look, we'll, we'll swap picks with you. We'll give you Adam Boakvist. Um, and, and, you know, the reason they do that is they feel like Gustafson is, is, is good as Bokovic is ever going to be. I, I'm not saying I, I believe that necessarily. Um, but you know, they're acting like they're playing on Boak or Gustafson being around for a while. And, um, you know, I did my, to my mind, they're kind of similar players. Um, hopefully Bokovic will be a better player overall and more like the guy he's been compared to Eric Carlson, who's much better than Gustafson. But let's just say. And but they're they're seeing in Jack Hughes a cornerstone type player like a Patrick Kane. I don't know that to me, if that's what the Hawks think he is and want to go do that. And, um, you know, they feel like, again, they're covered with as far as, you know, those small puck rushing defensemen and they can afford to part with the bulk list that. But I, I don't know if I if I throw sod into that deal. Um, you know, uh, but, you know, perhaps trading up for a shot at Hughes who could be that kind of player for the Hawks. I, I don't know that that's totally crazy. I, I think that what Pat was talking about as far as Capo Caco was, was crazy, but I don't know. I mean, trading up for Jack Hughes, you know, and, and, and giving up something of some value, you're going to have to. Well, Maybe the, that makes some sense. I don't know. The thing that, that Charlie brought up and it was a really good point is that like New Jersey needs, you know, needs help. Uh, and yeah. so do the Rangers. Yeah. And yeah. if these two guys, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the Rangers don't get, you know, can't get Jack Hughes, but they can get Kako Kako who can be maybe their next guy that comes, you know, comes up and, and runs that team, uh, in, in New Jersey. Um, how, how do you sell to Taylor, to Taylor Hall to stay there? Hey, we, we, we have your center for the next 10 seasons, but we just traded him away to the Blackhawks for Adam Boquist. Well, we'll look at it this way. I'm just going to throw this out. And again, Let's just play devil's advocate. And that's that's the thing. There's so many things the Hawks can do with that number three pick. But let's let's just say they that New Jersey did bite in that. And they take Bowen Byram at number three. They have potentially between Bokvist and Byram a first pairing for the next for another ten years. You know? So New Jersey? That, and if you're if you're a bad team that's rebuilding, it's not a bad idea to start with with two great young defense pro- prospects. Listen, this is all theoretical and and yeah, in all not, likelihood it would never happen. But I'm just saying, there's when you're when you're dealing with elite players and, and elite prospects, there's there's a there's a there's a lot that can happen because the, the, these guys can turn into things, you know. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I just with, with New Jersey moving up, uh, I, I can't see them trying to you know just give giving this gift away. Kind of like well, you're probably right. You're kind probably of like right. how the Blackhawks, like you know, this they were given this gift. They're playing with house money. Like if they were to trade down, it would have to be like some crazy circumstance. Ooh, the where Hawks there was, or New Jersey? The Hawks too. 
I'm, I'm just talking about the Hawks. Like the Hawks well, were given okay, a gift. So let's talk about let's talk about that because we talked about that in our chat. You know, uh, this draft reminds me a little bit of 2004, which was a two-player draft. It was Ovi and Malkin at the top, and then it was like some debate between Cam Barker and and Andrew Ladd. Um, and in hindsight, I, I wanted them to take Ladd that year. I really did. Um, they ended up taking Cam Barker, and you know, it, it didn't work out the way that you know they had hoped it would. Um, you know, but this draft could be like that. I mean, because I feel like, you know, you've the, the the two guys at the top. There's no doubt about them. But when you get to number three, there's a lot of debate, and there it's pretty it's pretty good debate about who that who that guy would be or should be at number three. Um, I, I don't know if 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 you're the Hawks and you let's say you of all the guys there that are there at three um, that are left, and the guy you like is say Alex Turcott, but you could probably get him at number six. And another team really wants to get up to number three to get somebody like Pigolzin, for example. Why wouldn't you, you know, why wouldn't you trade down? And you could probably get a lot in return to do that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I just, uh, I just think that they're playing with house money and you might as well use it while you got it. You know, um, that's just how, how my look at it is. But yeah, if, I mean, if, if my, my, actually my, whole disagreement with that would be maybe that I don't want him to pick Alex Turcotte. Maybe I want him to pick someone else a little, you know, someone else that may go a little higher. And, and you brought up a good point with the, the Bowen Byron thing. Um, there's been a lot going since uh, there's been things going back and forth about how he may be the third pick overall. And the Blackhawks will have picked four defensemen. Basically their last top four picks were all defensemen. Um, and that, that concerns me too. And my point on the, on that whole thing is, is like, okay, I don't have anything against Bowen Byron. He may be a first, you know, a number, a legit NHL first, you know, number one defenseman shut down everything, the whole deal. Uh, he may be, and that's all good and well, but, and if, and I'd love to see him on the Blackhawks, but the problem therein lies is you've got so many defensemen of the same ilk in that system. I totally agree. Taking up all this space and you're going to then rely on Stan Bowman to get value, at least try to get equal value for one of one of those players, be it Adam Boquist, Ian Mitchell, uh, you know, uh, Bowden, Nicholas Bowden. Uh, you're, you're going to, you're, you're then relying on an additional deal to make this draft pick look like it actually, you know, fills a need and, uh, you know, fills all the needs actually, or at least the, the places where you have, you know, where you need, might need an elite forward or someone like that. You, it's just, I don't like these deals that are dependent, you know, dependent on things. Stan Bowman, when he's under fire and he's under a deadline, he's been shown to shit the bed. Yeah. Well, that's true. Or you know, like Nick Laddie. anything. And in this case, yeah, he's got to see my fear is that he's going to hold on to the pick and take somebody who's safe, who he knows will be a good player, but it isn't like a, you know, a guy like Pigolzin who could be the next uh, Vladimir Tarasenko or, you know, might not even come to, might not even come to North America. I mean, I I feel like if they're going to hold, if they're going to keep that pick at number three, there are enough guys sort of circling there at number three that I think, you should be able to get an elite player. Remember, Jonathan Taves was picked third overall, right? And so was Cam um, Barker. You should be able to get an elite player <laughs> and not a guy who's 
who you might have been able to get at six or seven. And the thing about Byram, you're right, Gate. That whole, we talk and we talked about this at length today. Yeah. But if they feel like Byram is head and shoulders better than anybody they have now, and and he's and he's the best player at that at that pick, you got to take him. But you damn well have have to have some some kind of contingent plan to yeah. bring in some kind of at least young forward uh, in a trade or something. Uh, you know, get get something for you know. You send Bodan and something else. You know, who was a for, former first round draft pick and something else to somewhere yeah. to get right. you know a top prospect forward to then yeah. take a little bit of that. I, I'm okay with that then, but it yeah. just it scares me when you have these deals that are de- one's dependent on another. You know, the drafts dependent on them making a deal. That yeah. scares me because then he gets he gets backed into a corner and they don't want to help him out. No one wants to help him out. But he's, but he's not really backed into a corner. I mean, let's let's just more game this out. Let's say they take Byram. And I'm not again. I'm not arguing for Byram. I I don't know. I don't I don't know who the best, you know, the most likely elite player. I have I have an opinion um, on a couple of them. I think Byram is potentially one of those guys. But if he takes Byram, he's not forced to deal. Uh, Boquist right away. Let's say he wants to deal Boquist to, to sort of you know clear him him out and get some value for him. I mean he can he could start shopping him and and see who see who brings him the best offer on Boquist. I mean, you know, but here's the other side of that. And I talked about this in the chat today too. I mean, he passed on a couple of really good young defensemen who you know arguably fit the Hawks' needs maybe even more so than than Boquist in Evan Bouchard and Noah Dobson. Because he thought that Boakvist was an elite player. Yeah, um, that's a great point. You know, it's so it's like, hey, bud, you know, um, so if you're going to get Byram, then you better damn well make sure that he's a really elite player. Um, because, you know, you you already sort of, you know, went this route last year and you passed on a couple of guys that could have really helped this team. Yeah. And it, we were both, uh, you know, in the in Noah Dobson, I think, uh, camp. That we want them to yeah, pick he's no the adoption. guy that I wanted them to take. Yeah, I, I did was, too. I was kind of shocked actually that they didn't. But yeah, so if if you know if Adam Boquist isn't going to turn into that player that you've now hyped him up to be, uh, and you swung and missed on that one, and then you now you're going to have to pick another defenseman to to you know rectify that or at yeah. least you know somewhat. Uh, that, that's just not that's not good business, man. You 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 can't keep screwing up like that. Uh, especially in a draft, if you screw up, I, I think I heard somewhere like if you screw up like a, a high first round pick and you don't, uh, you don't, you don't uh, nail it, like that could set your franchise back three years. So that's that's yeah. I mean, I think it's too early to write off Boquist. I mean, oh, I, I, yeah, um, I, yeah, he could be a good. Yeah, player. I don't, and I don't know what the, if what the how much validity or legitimacy is to this thing about you know London moving him to forward. Um, you know, if, if the Hawks as an organization are, are seriously considering that, then I think, I think that you could, you could start to really light some candles here. Cause that's not a good sign. No. Um, you know, you brought this guy in to drive your offense from the back end, not to, cause you know, the, in spite of all the, you know, move Gus to forward, whatnot, that's always out there. The reality of it is, is that a, a guy who's a really good offensive defenseman, generally speaking, is not necessarily going to translate that to the forward position. Um, Dustin Bufflin was an exception, um, but he's an exceptional athlete. And and he's also a kid who had played a lot of forward growing up, too. He was a forward in junior hockey. He was drafted as a forward. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I would argue if he'd have stayed at forward, he might have ended up having a better NHL career 
better than the very good one he's had, you know? And, and, uh, so anyway, um, yeah, that's not necessarily a good time, but I think we got, we have to wait and see because, you know, I mean, Boquist is, is, he's got, he's got some crazy talent. I mean, it's just, the question is, is, you know, is, is he going to translate that to the NHL level? He should be able to, to some degree, you just hope that he can be more of a complete defenseman than, you know, where he's at now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw us the Ray in a second, but um, <clears throat> again, I was, I've been watching a lot of video. I put together the Bocus video. Um, what I noticed uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of Bocus doing his Eric uh, Gustafson impression down at the oh. other end. And he's very good at it. I honestly think he has way more offensive talent than Eric Gustafson has just by watching him play. Yeah. But there are a lot of times where he's back in he's back in his own end and he's 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 standing there stiff legged, like almost palms up, like he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, and, and the yeah. puck in the back of his own net. Now yeah. it's the OHL, there's a lot of scoring. I know he plays with Evan Bouchard. Not all the time. They weren't paired together all the time. But um, you know, Evan Bouchard's on his team. Evan Bouchard looked like look, looked like a guy who's ready for the NHL. Adam Bolkvist. Yeah, I mean, Evan Bouchard has looked like that for three years. I think yeah. he's a guy who matured physically very young. And uh, um, I always, I felt like with Bouchard coming out last year that he, he might not have that much higher of a ceiling um, because he was physically, he was already very physically mature. Um, that's why I like Dobson so much because I felt like Dobson was good and, and, and is going to get, is he going to get even better? Yeah. Ray, what do you think? Well, I loved Bouchard coming out last year. That was that was my guy, kind of like Turcotte this year. But I mean, Boquist is—he's got to be—he's got to be the guy. I mean, I, I know like moving him to forward and stuff like that. I mean, that's red flags, and, mm-hmm. and I, I can't imagine having your first round pick, high first round pick, after one season. You know, your 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 club's already talking about doing that, and, and if you're going to go with if you're going to go with, you know, with Byram, I think you've got to make sure he, I mean, you got to believe he's your defenseman for the next 10 years. That's going to be the shutdown guy. And, and any, everything that you read or anything that you see, it definitely doesn't show that, um, you know, so, I mean, you, you've got to go forward um, unless he's just completely off the charts, you know? So, and, and then I would question, you know, what's going on. If you think that that's going to be your number one guy for the next 10 years to, to shut down defense, to shut down other teams offense. And so, that's a tricky one. And then going back to, you know, kind of with, with Boyle, can you imagine having Nico and, and Jack um, as your as your one-two for the next decade? Uh, I would have to come up with a pretty, pretty special trade to be moving out of that yeah. um, issue. That, that would be a nice issue to have uh, for the next decade. But um, And just like I said on the last uh, you know podcast, I think the Hawks are going safe. They're going to do something that's going to be nice and simple. Mm-hmm. It's going to be... <laughs> a guy that you know hey maybe a year or two makes sense uh you know hockey iq he's got some talent um you know he's gonna be uh, a face so you think player. they're gonna take turcotte <laughs> yeah exactly well i mean and it just happens to be that guy but i i just don't see where you could take a defenseman and then maybe package something and get back into the first if you like some of those guys that are you know 25 you know through 40 and you really have somebody that you think man you know, he's probably in that 25 to 40 range, but we like him in the 10 range and he falls. 
you know, you, but then you're just you're keeping your fingers crossed that that happens. Well, but you know what? There's there's other guys like Zegris there, for example, too. I mean, um, if they were to trade down um, because somebody else loves somebody three, like say Pagolzin or uh, Dylan Cousins, for example, but the Hawks don't, and the Hawks, you know, like want one of those uh, national team centers. Um, you know, I, I think I think they could conceivably trade down and and be in position to get one or the other of them and maybe get a really nice because when you trade down, you're going to get something for trading down. You're mm-hmm. going to get a nice asset probably. So it's I, I just again, it's going to be if, if he if he keeps the pick, he's got to get a truly elite cornerstone type of player. If he trades the pick, then he's then he's got to pick up a lot of good assets um, because it, it's a gift. It, you, it, you, you, and you got to do something with it. Yeah. And, you know, to, just to get to, to go safe and get a guy, you know, is going to be a good or very good player. That to me is, is, is not really cashing in the way you, you need to cash in with that pick. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to drag Johnny Utah's question in here. Cause it's what we're talking about. And I want to make sure we, you know, uh, give him his credit for his question. He says, I'm sure by the time you guys get to my question, you will already have answered the question. So thank you in advance. So here's the question just in case. That's a lot of questions. <laughs> uh, how much pressure is on management to select franchise player at number three? Uh, if you're the GM, <laughs> yeah, I you know. If you're a GM and a, another team calls you and says, we'll take Seabrook. Now, they, don't stop me on this, but um, t- we'll take Seabrook's contract off your books as long as he then agrees straight up or even another player or something like that. Um, would you rather keep Seabrook in the three pick? This could be a stupid question on my part, but Taze and Kane have only so many seasons left at an elite level. I know it's getting complicated in the cap and re-signing your own players, especially to break it and Strom coming up. Um, Seabrook's not going anywhere. <laughs> we said this Seabrook's not going anywhere. No one wants to take that contract uh, off, off the Blackhawks hands. But that being said, his contract is not as much of a hindrance as it was two years ago. They've got cap room. They're going to be having a little more cap room. And, uh, you know, things moving like maybe an Artem Anisimov is going to basically it's they're going to be able to eat that, you know, two million dollars extra. And it's not going to hurt them too bad. So let's not get all hung up on the Seabrook and how Seabrook's holding the Blackhawks back because it's not the case anymore. So go. <laughs> John. Well, Seabrook, Seabrook, even a diminished Seabrook at this point brings something that the Blackhawks need, which is some stability on the back end. Back end. Um, uh, granted, you can debate, you know, how stable even he is at this point, but um, I don't know. I, 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 he gives me more confidence defensively than Gustafson or Forsling. That's for damn sure. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's seven, nearly seven million a year. It's it's certainly not a bargain. It's absurd. Um, yeah, for sure. But, but we're not back in the days of you know, like you know, trying to eke another six hundred thousand dollars underneath the salary cap. They have all kinds of room. So no, it, it's and n- nobody's going to trade for that deal. The only, like you know, people forget that they had to basically give away Tavo Teravainen in order to lose one year of Brian Bickle's deal. And um, so imagine what they would have to give somebody to take Seabrook's contract off their hands or the bad contract they'd have to take back. And, you know, I've heard this, this Jake Gardner theory. I, I don't oh, see God. Toronto doing that I, ever. No. Honestly. And that's what I said to some guys, some guys like, Oh, Toronto, I'll take him." I'm like, I would rather take Jake Gardner at Seabrook's salary than Seabrook at Seabrook's salary. Yeah. yeah. Because 
Gardner is still young, you know, right. he could go that next level. He's not a bad defenseman. He takes a lot of heat, but Brent Seabrook's on the decline of his career. Like he's only going to get worse. He's not getting yeah. better. And, and he's, you're going to be paying him $7.5 million. You could pay a guy that's like sick. What is he? Six years younger, the same money and just keep your guy. So it doesn't yeah. make sense to get a lesser player for the, for the same price. Just doesn't make any sense at all. Now right. there was another, someone else was bringing it up today and, and my buddy Billy brought this up and he just kind of asked the question about, he's like, what about James Neal? Is he too old? And I was like, dude, James Neal sucked in Calgary. <laughs> like, it, it, Basically if the Blackhawks were to do that, it's going to be one of these reclamation projects, which may not even work out. I mean, he played 63 games and had 19 points and the guy makes like uh, almost $6 million a year. Yeah, until he's, 2023. He's with a lot of miles on his tires. He's 32 yeah. years old. He's gonna be. He's under contract until 2023. Like Ugh. you don't want to do that. No, you're, don't do it. Yeah, you're. you're I mean, James, James Neal when he was, you know, when he was young and and uh, you know had had a lot a lot in the tank. He was not exactly a speed demon, you know. No. So I mean, yeah, I just that's not a, that's not a smart move. Mm-mm. You know, Ray, you got anything thrown on it? Anything that Stan may be able to pull off, Brent's got to say yes. So I, I think well, that's that, the other thing, too. It's the yeah. other thing, too, is, you know, if a, I don't want to, I'm not going. You know, that's why I have my claws. So, yeah. Yeah. I, and anybody, if if any GM were to say, yes, I'll, I'll do that, you know, and, and it works out all right, you know, whatever, we got to keep back and. Uh, you know, money and maybe giving up something. And I mean, if, and, and Seabrook were to say, I'm going to do it. I mean, if you're Stan, you drive to wherever Brent is at and, and tell him he's going and, and drive him to wherever go, wherever he's supposed to go and, and make sure that it doesn't fall through. Cause it, it would be a, it would be a miracle. It would be like partner Red Sea. I know a couple of years ago that they, that they did have some conversations with Vancouver and Vancouver's his hometown. But it never went anywhere because I don't think Vancouver was was hot to do anything. Um, so, um, you know, yeah, I, I that's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, what would they do at Vancouver at this point? Louis Erickson, take Louis right. Erickson back. You know, I mean, right. I don't know. And and what's and it just it's just not going to happen. No one's going to take it. The Blackhawks are going to be stuck with Brent Seabrook. And again, I keep saying it. He's like my favorite player on the Blackhawks, but um, I, you know I know what he is. I know where he's at in his career. I know he's overpaid. I I get it. I understand it. And uh, I you know he's basically you know a good third line or third pair defenseman right now. Yeah. And he's yeah, I mean it's, it's overpaid. We're watching dunk. we're watching the de- the the decline and the end of the careers of some of these guys. I mean. I was probably as big a Marcus Kruger fan as there is, but Marcus Kruger is no longer what he was when he was winning cups with the Hawks. And, and, uh, you know, he wasn't appreciated then and he's not appreciated now, but the difference between the player he was then and all the things he did and and what he is now, he still, the guy still goes out and gives everything, but he just physically can't do the same things because of those wrist surgeries. And, uh, you know, um, it's, it is what it is. And Seabrook is just not the player he was. You know, no. um, Duncan Keith is no longer the player was player he was. Duncan Keith can go out and have a pretty good game still, and and he's still incredibly competitive and smart and positionally. But um, you know, he's he's a he's a step and a half slower than what he used to be. Yeah, and, and they're beating him up. I mean, he's got a lot of miles now on him. You know, if yeah. you, if you cut his workload back, 
we saw what happened when they were cutting Seabrook's uh, workload back like two years ago. Like he played better, you know. Uh, don't, yeah, don't I mean, put him out there twenty four the minutes. Too is, is what if the Hawks? I was thinking this today. What if they pulled a surprise and they and they went out and made a big move for Eric Carlson? And and the reason that that's kind of intriguing is that Carlson then he's 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 on your top pair whoever you put with him. But then maybe that allows Keith, even though they play opposite sides, it's a little tricky. But then that allows that reduces Keith's minutes, and then maybe Keith could be more effective. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's just it was just a thought that came to me. And then again, there's no there's no evidence that Eric Carlson has any interest in coming to Chicago too. No. So just thinking out just thinking out loud. Yeah, I, I really honestly, um, I'm I resorted to the fact that I don't think the Blackhawks they're not going to. Uh, I I don't see them going out and getting a big name in free agency just because the ones, the big names that are out there are going to cost so much money and you don't, you know, I don't know. You want to get tied up in a long-term deal for, you know, another $10 million player, uh, you know, when you've got a couple already, uh, you know, I I know we've said that the, you know, their cap is better, but this doesn't mean you have to spend more money, you know, than you should. You're already doing that with a couple of guys like Brandon sides, a little overpaid possibly, uh, you know, and you got Brent Seabrook, who's definitely overpaid. Uh, so, you know, and you're going to have other things coming up in the future, too, like uh, DeBrinckit and Strom and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. do you want them to go? So, you know, it's. And if if they want to keep Gustafson, they're going to probably end up having to pay him a lot, which to my, to my I'm, I'm going to say that's probably going to be a mistake, but they'll probably end up doing it. Well, I, I, what's that? I hope not. Yeah. That's my biggest fear is what they're going to do with his next contract. I'm hoping he shoots his 3% this year and scores six goals and has 32 points and, and just falls back to where he should be. Yeah, he, I, he's going to regress. Well, here's the thing about Stan Bowman, and we saw this with Anisimov, and I think there's a couple other good examples of it too. I can't think of any right now, but I think there's been a couple of good other good examples where – Bowman will decide that by giving a guy a big contract that validates his interest or his loyalty to the guy. I mean, I, the the Anisimov thing when it happened, it just it blew my mind. The, they had just traded for the guy; he still had a year left on his on his previous deal, and then Bowman gives him this long deal with a lot, with pretty good amount of money, um, and and a no trade clause that was baked into it as well. And um, why? Why would you do that? And it, it felt at the time like he was so burned over the sod thing, sod, you know, um, basically getting ready to leave Chicago and them not being able to sign him, that he wanted to basically thumb his nose at everybody and say, well, I got a really good guy. Look, I just paid him four four point five million a year and gave him a no, no trade. It just it just seemed like he was trying to validate Anisimov and make himself look good. And now, in hindsight, that trade, that that contract looks really stupid. And you know, people could say, "Well, yeah, you know, he's worth four and a half million dollars a year. Look at other teams." But you didn't have to pay him that necessarily. You know, now or you can the argue length that or whatever, he, the next yeah. year he had a great year with with Kane and Panarin. But a lot of guys can have great years with Kane and Panarin. The other thing is, yeah, just look at Eric Gustafson. Anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is, the year before Brad Richards was there, and Brad Richards had a great year with Kane. I mean. And he was about done, you know, so I just I, I worry that what he's going to do with Gustafson is going to throw a lot of money at him to make everybody shut up about about Gustafson's failings as a defenseman. And it's not it's going to make it worse. 
It's going to oh, make it's, it worse. It's totally going to make people are going to be like, you're going to pay this guy $6 million a year. He better damn well play some defense, Dan. It, well, and that needs, he just mucks up that defense. He's holding a spot for these guys that you've now drafted highly that need to be developed and brought up in the system that now can't have no spot on the pro roster because Eric Gustafson is the same player making probably at the, at that point in time, maybe three, four times the amount of money now holding that spot up and, yeah. and he can't get rid of the guy because the guy probably is going to regress to Like Ray said, a 30 point player making $4 million or whatever it is. Oh, you're going to make more than four million. Well, yeah, I know I'm just, him. I was being conservative on that one, but I even $4 million is four times what these guys on these entry level deals are going to be making. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. Like you can't, yeah, you know what? We've you never addressed this before, bro. I'm going to go after this head on right now. The the comparison between him and Brian Campbell that the Gustafson apologists are, have thrown out there of late. That's ridiculous. I mean, yes, Brian Campbell was definitely a much more offensive minded defenseman, but Brian Campbell actually used to light people up, <laughs> you yeah, know, at 6'1", 190, 195, I think. I mean, he w- he could destroy people. Um, he didn't do it often, but he could. And um, he, you know, on his worst day, he was a better defensive defenseman than Eric Gustafson. So p- people got to stop with that comparison. That's just that's it's not, not even true. close. It's not even close. It was right. Brian Campbell. Everyone go YouTube this. Brian Campbell destroys RJ Umberger. RJ Umberger. That's it. Just destroyed. Yeah, he him. completely destroyed him. Yeah. That was the one. Yeah, I, I had to look Gustafson, it up. Would, would just is not going to make that play. He's never going to make that play. He's not that kind of player. He tends to he tends to shy away from contact. And and you know, I just Brian Campbell was was more of a factor at both ends of the ice than Gustafson is. Gustafson now, I'm going to give Gus, Gustafson credit toward the end of the year. His defensive game improved, but but it also seemed like his offensive game wasn't quite as hot either because he was having to think about the defensive zone. You know, and if, and if a defenseman, you know, plays down below the opponent's goal line all the time, yeah, he's going to get some points. But it's also not good as far as defending. I, I have to apologize because I, I didn't, I don't think any of us wanted this to turn into the Eric Gustafson Bash Festival. Uh, but I mean, it, it ends up getting that way, but there's this other narrative too, that Gus fixed the power play. Okay. Let's slow the hell down a little bit. Right. Slow down. They had a hot month and a half. Yeah. It was not fixed. They had a hot month and a half and then they went cold again. So it I, was I'm not gonna, fixed. I'm going to take counterpoint, though. I actually think he's a really good power play quarterback. I'm going to give him that. He really is. Oh, he plays good, but he didn't fix anything. He helped get them hot for a little bit, and then it went cold again. And he, when he wasn't scoring and stuff, like he didn't fix it. He made it. He, he helped, but it wasn't just because Eric Gustafson showed up on the scene and all of a no. sudden made Patrick Kane and made Dylan Strom and made Jonathan yeah, Tate score really goals. Cool. They went really cold for a while, and that coincided with the, their hot streak as a team ending too. Um, but I will say overall, the power play was much better now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was better. When you've got Alex DeBrinket and Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves having a, having a great year, and then Dylan Strom providing a nice, you know, secondary center option on, on the power play. I mean, all those things, all those things came together. Plus, Gustafson is a good power play quarterback. There's no disputing that. Um, it's the five on five where he struggles a little more, you know? Yeah. 
So let's. I, I don't. I, I don't want to get on the, the Eric Gustafson thing, but yeah. Anyway, being fair though, I mean we're giving yeah. him his due for where he deserves it. Yeah, you know? I mean, and, and and I've kind of walked it back. You know, I was when, when this first we, we were talking about, it, and I was like, they got to trade him. They got to trade him now. Get full value for him. I'm like, I feel that way. I still feel that way. Like, get rid of him while he's at his. You know, he has his most value. You can get something for him. But I can understand also on the flip side why you would keep him. He's cheap. He provides you know a lot wow. of points for his money. It, it, he's not going to be cheap, but next year for at least one season, you could have this guy that is pretty good offensively um, and is cheap. Uh, after that, I, I can't defend it. Like you can't sign this guy long-term. You can't give him five, $6 million. You cannot do that. Like that will be a huge mistake. Let someone yeah, else because, do it. Because, because, again, the apologists keep saying, well, he just needs coaching. Well, and yeah. We, no. And we've addressed this. Yeah. They, people, he, they've tried to coach him. And you know what? The, the, the little period of time toward the end of the season where he played well defensively, it's not, it's not brain surgery. He knows he's been coached. He knows how to do it. It's wanting to do it. That's, that's the issue. And he hasn't shown really through, through his tenure with the Hawks that most games that he really wants to, to focus on the defensive end. He just doesn't. Yeah. And you know, that if that is what he is, but uh, you know, 40 points making $5 million a year or 30 points making $5 million a year. Like Ray said, that's, it's not going to work. Like it's just not going to work. You're not only taking a spot away from the young guys, but you're, you're, you're adding salary that doesn't need to be added because you have other guys that can do pretty much the same thing. So anyway, all right, well, the last thing I wanted to kind of bring up too, also, uh, it kind of is in the same thing with the defensive prospects. Boyle and Romeliotis had Mark Eaton on, uh, who you know was, works with the Blackhawks prospects and stuff, and uh, I think he was what he's director of player development or something like that. Yeah, he's, he's in that he's in that function. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and he was. They were asking him about the defensemen. You know, specifically Boakvist, Yoki Haru, Mitchell, uh, players like that. And, uh, you know, he had good things to say. You know, of course, they're, he's going to toe the company line. He's going to say, you know, Boakvist got better, and he did. Boakvist, you know, was playing his, he said Boakvist was playing his best hockey in the playoffs in the OHL, and he was. Uh, but he still has, you know, defensive deficiencies. Um, Yoki Haru, he, he brought up a good point saying that, you know, if, Gustav Forsling and Connor Murphy weren't hurt this year. Yoki Haru probably wouldn't have even made the team. So, right. Yeah. And yeah, that was, yeah. I remember all the people taking a victory lap because he made the team, but yeah, he was, he was like sort of the tallest midget. <laughs> I know how that is. <laughs> hey, phrasing. Um, but yeah, so, you know, he, he talked about Yoki Haru and then Yoki Haru probably turn it, you know, could turn into something really good next year. And that's good. Good, you know, whatever. Um, you know, oh, he's going to be a nice player. There's yeah. no question. There's no question about that. Ian Mitchell, you know, he 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 had good things to say about Ian Mitchell, but uh, uh, like all these guys, uh, you know, Mitchell, Bodan, uh, and and Bulkus are all kind of the cut, cut from the same cloth type of guys. You know, they're looking the other end. They're not. They're not really doing much in their own end. I think Yoki Haru, out of everybody, is more more of the two way guy out yeah. of all of them. Yeah, and that's what I see promising. I, like I, I'm looking forward to Henry Yoki Haro. I think he may be something. Not yeah, he may be that. Like, I, and I've said it a couple times. Like that Seabrook presence. 
A little bit of physicality, can play both ends of the ice, isn't going to score you a ton of goals, but can score you some goals. Uh, you know, can, can do a lot of everything. And, and that would be great. The Blackhawks are going to need that. So, um, but yeah, he, he brought up a lot of stuff about the, the, the prospects, but a lot of it, and, and they even said, do you, you see the, you know, other than Yoki Haru, do you see these guys making the roster next year? And he, he gave what you would expect him to say. Well, I'm not going to rule it out. Right. You know, it wouldn't totally surprise me, but... Yeah. And the big butt, you know, I don't, you know, I think they still need to work on a lot of stuff, which tells me that, well, you know, Mitchell's going back to college. We know that. And, uh, Bokvist, I think he, uh, we kind of talked to center private chat. Uh, yeah, he may get a little bit of a look like an extended camp look, but he's good. I, I would bet good money that he's going back to London next year to be the guy there. He well, still, he still has work That's... to do. You don't want him cutting his teeth in the NHL, getting roasted every night is these these forwards coming down with the speed, you know, blowing by him and him getting windburn from it. Like that's yeah. not how you want your potential, you know, number two defenseman of the future starting off his career like that, just getting, you know, run over and uh, run around game after game. And, uh, you know, uh, in uh, Bowden too, I think Bowden's going to be the same way. Like, I think he's going back. So none of those guys are going to, I don't see any of those guys other than Yoki Haro coming up next year. Plus, there's not a lot of room for them. They're to bring somebody in. They're probably going to have to clear some people out anyway. So it's it's you know, there's a lot of defensemen. This is why the only reason that I'm kind of you know I, I, not in the in the Byram uh, corner because there's just so many defensemen. And then you got to rely on getting rid of some of them because they literally can't don't have enough spots on all of their teams to play. So well, but here's the other thing too. I mean, we're kind of doing math here that that presumes that all of these prospects are going to be NHL players. I, I you know, Mitchell, Chris, Bodin, uh, Boquist, I, I, you know, I it, just the, the, the law of averages and, and the way that, you know, the prospect development works in the NHL, it's very likely that not all those guys are going to end up playing in the NHL for any, you know, appreciable length of time. I mean, two or three of them probably, but it's, it's just, it's just, you know, it's unlikely that four you're going to hit on four defensemen that you draft over two years like that, and they're all the same type of player. It's just, it's just kind of unlikely. So even if you did um, hit on them, having four guys like that isn't ideal. That are the, you know, agreed. The I mean, because yeah. they're all the same type of player too. That's the thing, and it's, it's what the Hawks, it's, it's really what the Hawks don't really need acutely need more of right now. The Hawks really need. You know the the young Nicholas Jalmerson type of player, which they don't have, or even the young Brent Seabrook. You need that right. variety. You need guys right. that can you know do different do different things. You can't have Marshawn is up to his old tricks. Yeah, you can't have uh, you you can't have four or five guys that all do the same thing, and uh, they're basically just pigeonholed. All of them trying to carry the puck up the ice. Right. You right. just can't have that. Ray, you got anything uh, anything more on that with the uh, prospect stuff? I love that they sent down Yoki to get some time in Rockford. I thought that was something that was overlooked and, and Twitter and, and, and all the fans were absolutely blasting the Blackhawks. That was their plan from day one. He looked timid. He looked, you know, he doesn't, <laughs> he needs strength. You know, I mean, that was something that was very obvious that, you know, playing against some older guys that just have that old man strength. I love that they sent him down and let him get some time in, in Rockford, play big minutes, play in all different situations. I applaud the Hawks for that and sticking to it because it could have been easy to, to keep him with, with the big club and say, hey, we're going to ride this out and see if we could steal that last spot. So 
Um, I, I think he's going to be a big part of this moving forward. And it's just, you know, beating a, uh, you know, beating a dead horse with all the defensemen that, that, that they do have that, you know, you're, they're not all going to hit. If all of them hit, that'd be great. You know, I mean, right. running those six, seven guys out for the next, you know, five years, that, that'd be awesome if they are, you know, four or five years, um, if, if that'd be great, but they're not all going to hit. And, and that's why you just can't keep piling it on. You, you got to start, you got to start getting some forward depth in there as well. Yeah. Well, the I mean, other thing too, is you got to look at, you look at these teams. I mean, we're watching two of them right now. Their, their, their average size in the back end is like, you know, Columbus is like 6'2", 220. Um, you know, Charles, you know, uh-oh. skews Boston off the charts. But, I mean, you you have got to have at least a couple of guys on the back end. And and I'm I'm talking guys who are bigger than Connor Murphy, you know, um, or at least meaner than Connor Murphy or both. I mean, Connor Murphy's a nice player, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, I don't think he's a difference maker. I don't think he's, no. he's you know, a guy that's, that you're going to, you know, at a foundational piece for your defense, like Seabrook and Jalmerson were close to that, you know, and, and um, uh, I just, I just, if I think, I think the Hawks, I'm really hoping that the Hawk front office is watching how these teams are composed and the types of players they have um, because the Hawks need more of these uh, game over Boston one. Yeah. I've been sitting here. I've been sitting here biting my lip (laughs) for about the past minute and a half. Yeah. Actually, longer than that, because Twitter Twitter is further ahead than my t- television feed. So I've been sitting here for probably a good two and a half minutes biting my tongue. <laughs> Columbus had that one, too. They were winning with six minutes left, man. Yeah. But uh, the, to the point, JJ, that you're making, the Hawks have nobody that when the other team gets back on the bus and, and heads out of town, you know, flies out, right. nobody is hurt. Nobody's tired. Nobody's, you know, man, we played the Hawks. You know, we we're barely even hurt. You know, they don't have anybody that, and I'm not talking about 70s nonsense, you know, stuff like that. But right. when you're done playing, you, you had those, we need two defensemen at least where you go, man, we put, we just got done playing the Hawks because I feel it. You know, they were heavy on us in front. They're heavy on us in the corners. My wrist might be sore. The back of my <laughs> calves might be hurting. Um, we don't have, we don't have those two guys that are difficult to play against. The Hawks are very yeah easy to play against right now and when they yeah. won they had those guys they had Jalmerson, they had seabrook they had mm-hmm. even michael roosevelt for you know the the early points of his career michael roosevelt w- would knock you out he wouldn't you know yeah. he was not going to fight you but he he was tough well yeah. roosevelt you know roosevelt knew his limitations he played within his limitations and you know he knew enough about the game to to be able to overcome his his mobility limitations at that stage of his career and you know, when he went down in the, I believe it was the second round, 2015 against Minnesota, with his leg snapped. I mean, that was a huge loss. I mean, I I remember at the time everybody's going, we're screwed because we don't have, we don't have anybody after the top four, and uh, you know that that's sort of the one of the you know the great subtexts of that cup run was the the way the the Hawks did it with only four defensemen really, and and uh, you know yeah people forget. I mean, he was a he was a, a really valuable piece, you know, and he was. Again, that kind of guy who, who could play that that bigger, heavier game, and and I mean, if that's the other thing. I mean, if you're going to get back to the playoffs, great, but you you really need to have the the, the players to do something when you're there. And that even in 2016, 2017, when the Hawks made the playoffs, they were softer. They were a softer perimeter team, and it, it was exposed in the first round. Yeah, and they haven't been able to compete since mm-hmm. at all regular season or, or otherwise. So 
All right. Well, I think that kind of. God, I hate Boston. Yeah. And uh, St. Louis <laughs> just took a lead too. In the first period, I think it's Dante Fabro scored. Yeah, the Blues. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Tell on you, man. Blues. The watch out for the Blues. Yeah. I like. I like their team, and I love Ryan O'Reilly, man. I'm gonna. Yeah. Keep, I'm gonna keep standing. Yeah. Ryan O'Reilly is a stud. And Tarasenko. I mean, Tarasenko is a stud. Oh well, yeah. Absolutely. And Colton Pareko. Ah. Oh, yeah. Pareko. Yeah. Yeah, Pareko is just yeah, and they got some young defensemen and like uh, Vince Dunn is a really good defenseman and Vince uh, Dunn, yeah, uh, even Joel Edmondson uh, is a pretty good defenseman. Like they got some solid players, and uh, yeah, I, I don't hate them like I used to. I uh, dislike their fans, but the the team like they're not a bunch of cheap shot artists. They're not right. David Backus. They're not Ryan Reeves. Like they're a good right. team. They've gotten away from that Backus punk mentality. Yeah. I mean, they 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 and I mean they've become really more Tarasenko's team. Tarasek was a great player. I mean, he's he's really kind of a young Marion Hosa. Very yeah. similar type of player. Well, that's uh, to, to bring it all right back around again. That's what uh, Pakolzin, that's what the, the, the comparisons are uh, to Tarasenko. That's what I've seen. You, you know, and I was telling somebody today, I mean, he's got, and this is, this is a big comparison, but it's just in terms of the way he scores some of his goals. Reminds me a little bit of Ovechkin, too. He will lay his body out and do anything to put the puck in the net. Yeah, but Ovechkin's also like 242. Oh, yeah. <laughs> more yeah. like Panarin's size, but yeah. um, he's, he's, he's an interesting player. He really is if you watch, you watch him on tape. Yeah, I, I think, and, and I, I meant to mention this earlier about the Piccolo's thing. Like, if the Blackhawks are going to pick him, they're going to, they have to know. I mean, they would be, they would be idiots to not know what his yeah. actual plans are, whether he's yeah, coming. You got to know he's coming to North America. There's like, there's you know be what? no if doubt. He's not going to come for a couple of years. That's fine. Because, because the guy they pick at that, at that point that, you know, they want a guy who's going to be a great player five years from now. It's not so much, you know, coming in next year and, and helping. Yeah. I, I think if you're talking about the Swedish league or something like that, maybe, but with the KHL, They've been burned with people well, like Shalunov. Like people, they get they get tied up on these contracts, and there's no transfer agreement. Like the guys get hung up over there. So like if if he was going back to the KHL, like I'd be really worried. I'd be like, no, you got to come over here and play, you know, whatever uh, OHL yeah. or or, well, or CHL. I think at the end something. of the day, the Hawks are going to have to talk to some people over there. Some money may would have to perhaps change hands. I mean, because it's Russia. Yeah. And and you know they're going to have to be assured that he's that they're going that he's going to come over. There's no no question about that. They I can't yeah. draft him with any question about him coming to North America at some point. Yeah, if if, if there was a question, the, no team in the top ten should even uh, take a chance on him, right? Because he could. Yep, there's he, no question about that. Literally, he could never see the NHL ice if that's the case. So you have to know this, and, and yep. it's going to be hashed out before the draft. There, you're going to talk to his agent. You're going to know what's going to happen. You're going to know what his plans are. Now, of course, you know people can lie, but I mean, you know, like force says, not just the agent. They may have to pay somebody to get him out of you know whatever contract he's he's under over there as well. I mean, like I said, it's Russia, and Russia is like the most corrupt place on earth. So I mean, yeah. careful. Um, yeah, <laughs> careful. They're listening. But yeah, they yeah, probably are. Like anything could happen, like Fork says. Man can grow balls and become my uncle too. Yeah. All right. I think that's a good good place to wrap this up. You guys got anything else you want to talk about about the Blackhawks, Ray? Anything? No, I'm good. Thank you. Cool. John, you got anything else you want to bring up? Anything on your no, mind? No, I got nothing. Cool. 
All right. Um, any plugs for you, John? Uh, just our, our founding sponsors, puckhockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y. Um, great people, uh, great gear. Check out the rink gear. And even if you don't buy some rink gear, but we suggest you do. But even if you don't, you can get 10% T-H-E-R-I-N-K discount code. Um, and they, they've got all kinds of cool stuff over there. So so those guys definitely check them out. Snoop a loop. Uh, I, I want to make sure everyone's reading Ray's stuff because the Steelers still can, you know, are the only team uh, in the Chicagoland area that are still continuing to play. Well, actually, the Wolves, I guess, are probably, but who, ca- who cares about them? Yeah. Yeah, they don't count. Yeah. The Steel got a lot of interesting players. Um, they're going to, you know, a future probably first round, late first round draft pick. Is that right, Ray? Possibly. Yeah, yeah. Master Simone might might sneak in there, and got Abrazizi and uh, Zazi and Travis Traylor's uh, picking up some steam, and Gunnar Wolf Fontaine's picking up some steam in, in the scouting circle. So they're they're an exciting team. They got the uh, Muskegon Lumberjacks uh, this weekend. They they full week off, and then they're back in Chicago uh, for games three and four. And uh, you know, so it is team uh, Muskegon. Uh, won the Eastern Conference uh, regular season, Chicago was second, so it is the top two, and they, they put on a, a, a real good game, so definitely want to make sure people are heading out there. Awesome, yeah. I'm hoping to be able to head out uh, see some games now that the Blackhawks are done, and hopefully my schedule clears up a little bit, but yeah. Also, two other players. Uh, one of them, their, their rookie uh, that made the uh, all-USHL rookie team, Owen Power. Uh, I think that's a name where you should remember because it's going to be, he's going to show up in the NHL draft. Uh, in he's going to show up in the first round. Yeah. In a couple of years. Yeah. He's only 15 years old, but right. Yeah. Yeah. The 2021 draft. Yeah. yeah. So you, you've had some time to enjoy him yeah. uh, in Chicago. He's a university of Michigan commit, but he will, you could be talking if you're the, the Hawks are picking third in, in a couple of years, you may be talking about him. There you go. He's that good. And, really and and our guy Matteo Petronero, uh, yep. Uh, I think you know you're going to see some good things from him. He's he's a little under the radar because of all the big names, but I think you may see him show up somewhere, uh, uh, maybe NHL camp somewhere at some point. I think teams kind of missed out on him. I'd love to see the Blackhawks take a flyer on him, invite him he, to he, camp. We talked about that before. He'd yeah. be. I'd love to see him in Chicago. I think he's. <laughs> he's I think he can have a pretty good pro career. Um, you know, no matter where he decides he wants to play, whether it's overseas or if he gets to do it here, um, he's a heck of a hockey player. That's for sure. And, and really is the captain, the, the glue of that team. I mean, he does play big, huge minutes for that team. Yeah. He's a physical hits a lot. He's a really yep. good player. He's, he's more like, you know, the Yoki Haru type kind of more of like the two way kind of uh, with a little more physicality maybe, uh, than mm-hmm. that, but he could score. He scores a lot. Like he was right up there in the top scores for a uh, defenseman in the USHL. Hell of a player. He's a really good player. So, yep. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure we mentioned that. We didn't forget about that. So uh, I think wrapping that up, uh, you can find all of our comprehensive content on www.thudashrink.com. That's the Steel, the uh, 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 Indy Fuel, Evan, our boy Evan with the Indy Fuel when they were, you know, they, they were eliminated as well. You have, uh, you know, Ryan, or uh, not Ryan, uh, uh, Mario with uh, the Ice Hogs, and you have Aaron with you know, the college stuff, and uh, Ron's been, you know, he was doing the, a lot of the CHL stuff. I think Mario's going to kind of pitch in a little bit and do some of the, uh, the CHL playoff stuff. So we got a lot of stuff going on. We got the video content coming out. I'm trying to, you know, at least maybe one a week 
Um, I think next week we're going to start our grades for uh, final grades for the Blackhawks, which will be broken up into a couple parts. So we still got some stuff coming along. So uh, head over there, check it out, uh, bookmark us, uh, tell your friends and uh, all that good stuff. Um, you can find us on all the popular, popular social media. I'm at uh, Puck and Hostel. Uh, the rink is at the rink official on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, the Rinkcast account is at the Rinkcast. John, you are at Jekyll, J-A-E-C-K-E-L. Uh, Hockey Knapsack, Ray, um, that with just a K, <laughs> right? Yep, no C-K, just yeah, a K. Just a K, Hockey, Hockey Knapsack. Um, for all your uh, steel stuff, we try to retweet it. We try to retweet most of our stuff on the Rink Official page, so that's the most important one, but you can follow all of us. Uh, there is a list. Uh, I think it's a public list on the Twitter that you can follow that has all of our writers uh, on there. So uh, good stuff there. Uh, if you get a chance, again, rate, uh, head over, rate, review us on uh, iTunes, and uh, we'll, we'll re- read it on the air as long as it's not some idiotic thing. It's just like, ooh, fuck you. Uh, I don't, you know, that's not funny. It's not entertaining. No one cares. Um, <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they don't want to hear that. But uh, anyway, um, I want to, you know, we, we we might be a little more spotty as far as like, you know, the, the spring goes because there's not a lot going on. We don't want to have to keep talking about all the same stuff over and over and over again. So if things happen, we'll probably throw a podcast in maybe, you know, every other week until things yeah. get a little bit closer to the draft. And then we'll maybe have, uh, you know, some special guests on to talk about the draft. I think in, we'll start ramping up in June. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll actually be out of town for some of June, but yeah. <clears throat> right before the draft, I'll actually be out of town. So, but the content will be there. I know John is going to, you know, you're going to start hearing things around the draft. People will possibly move in, things like that. So, uh, we, to. yeah, we expect things to heat up. Uh, and then hopefully Ray can take a break for a little while because he's the only one, he's the only one following a team const- or, uh, at, at this point in time. So, but uh, if you get out to a, a Chicago Steel game, come out and say hi to Ray if you see him. Um, I may be out there too. Come out and say hi to me. But uh, if not, just watch the Steel. They're really entertaining. So they're they're a fun crowd and they're they're going for the cup again. So yeah. So I guess with all that being said, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the road.